The following podcast on the WDKX Podcast Network is provided by Vision Automotive. Sean Nels joins us now from the uh, University of Rochester. Always good to see you, my friend. Now, you brought in a big dog today. This yeah. is a big discussion today. We brought in somebody from the bullpen who's ready to talk about our community's health. None other than a commissioner of public health for Monroe County, Dr. Michael Mendoza. He's also a professor and physician of family medicine and public health at the University of Rochester. More importantly, he spent the weekend listening to Lauren Hill in Toronto. No, so he is this. not just talking to the people, he is of the people. That's right. Dr. And what, Mike Mendoza. You, 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 had, you were amongst the people. I was amongst the people. Wow. <laughs> and he right. caught the late Lauren Hill. That's right. There is no other Lauren Hill. It's only late. There's no early how, Lauren Hill. Yeah, yeah. How, how long did you wait? Uh, 45 minutes. Uh, was like, what? Oh my goodness. You were on time. That's, that's, <laughs> that's good. Time is a social construct. Ain't that something? Dr. Michael that's Mendoza joins us now. All right, uh, let's get serious because we've got a lot of serious stuff to talk about in this next half hour. Check your health segment being brought to you by the University of Rochester. First of all, thank you um, uh, for not only stopping by today. I know within the last three years, and, and, you know, nobody likes to really go back to 2020, but really that is a tough time of consistency and leadership. And you were getting pulled in so many different directions, and we just needed a straight voice to tell us what the hell was going on, because everybody was confused. So thank you for getting that, getting us through that time frame. Uh, let's talk a bit about COVID, because that's the big issue, really. Still around. Still around. Uh, what do we do now that COVID's still around? The number one thing you say is to get the? Vaccine. Okay. Get the vaccine. Now, we, you know, back in the beginning of COVID, there was a lot we didn't know. We didn't have vaccines. We didn't have treatments. We didn't know a lot about how it was spread from person to person. But we're in a different place right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a vaccine that's effective, that's safe. We've got treatments for people who get sick. Uh, I think that if everybody took those two steps, we would be much better off as a community. Do you see it a little bit differently now? I know when COVID came out, kind of people were hesitant about the vaccine, understandably so, history and everything yeah, that's going on, yeah. how quickly it was developed. Yeah. Um, and then they were listening to a lot of other people that were not doctors and <laughs> went through, you know, you went through medical school and all this training. There's a whole bunch of science. And then a lot of people listening to people on YouTube and taking their advice. So what would you say now about COVID and the information we have three years later? Well, you know, we've been through this for three years. We've mm-hmm. learned so much, not only about the vaccine, about its effects. Uh, we've learned more about COVID. And we've had a lot of experience uh, with people, millions of people uh, getting the vaccine, safely preventing uh, the illness. And we know that people who get the vaccine don't get hospitalized or worse nearly as much as those who don't. Mm. All right. So the, that's why the big thing for the vaccine is to prevent the hospitals from being overrun with individuals that uh, didn't get it or chose not to get it or whatever the case may be. Right. That's a that's a really important reason. And, you know, everybody's different. You know, I don't want to get COVID because I don't want to be sick. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go to work. I want to be able to do my thing. Um, everybody's got a different reason. People who are older um, have a lot of different reasons. We don't want to see them in the hospital. They're at a higher risk for getting hospitalized from COVID. Yeah. And, you know, with the holidays coming all, all, along, we don't, want, we don't want our loved ones getting sick. Uh, understandably so. There are a lot of people that will be coming home for the holidays, maybe haven't been around in a long time. Sean, I know full well that's been a big discussion of, of uh, people coming up. We were about, what, three weeks away now yeah, yeah. from Thanksgiving. Absolutely. You know? yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because you're going to have people coming into the home and you have to have your established set of rules. Do you want people to mask up or not mask up? Do you want to leave it up to them? It is your home. So, <laughs> so, so you, you, you set the rules, but you want people to enter healthy and to leave healthy. And um, the ways to do that, you talked about washing your hands earlier and doing that consistently. Are there other things we should be conscious of when we 
our gathering uh, over this, these next two months and all the different holiday seasons or just reminders of things that we should be doing? R- reminding people, get a, getting your vaccine, you know, wearing a mask if you'd like, washing your hands, basic hand hygiene, things mm-hmm. that we knew about before COVID that COVID definitely reminded us about. But I'll add that we want to be respectful of, of each other. You know, I think people will have different choices. And mm-hmm. I think rather than trying to, uh, you know, automatically change their mind or, or somehow judge them for whatever they believe, it's stopping and listening and respecting what their point of view is and mm-hmm. having a conversation. Because I think a lot of what was challenging about this epidemic was that, you know, people took sides. Yeah. And I think we don't do well as a community if we all just take, take sides. Yeah. But I think that's why it's important to have a commissioner of yeah. public health, not several commissioners. And I think sometimes people will search out information until they find a the thing that supports their point of view. So they might go through a thousand videos that say, get your vaccine. And then mm-hmm. the thousand and one says, don't get your vaccine. Say, see, right there. That, yeah, that's what, that's you know. the one I've been looking so, for. So yeah. we need to like, go to a central source that's balanced. And not only are you the commissioner of public health, you're also a practicing physician. Like You're seeing You patients, see people? Our patients. I, see patients. Right? I, I have patients, I'm sure on Monday morning, who are going to say, I heard you on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, but good. Tell them we said I. I <laughs> they, will, they will love it. Imagine, like, how do you get on your list? I'm going to see my doctor. Who just happens to be the health commissioner <laughs> he said this is what's going on <laughs> it's fun i'm sure i'm sure it is uh can we talk a bit a bit about this sort of flu season it's not just sort of flu it's rsv it's all these other different things that are going on right now. i was talking with a couple parents over the weekend and they're just like yeah i was not, i was down for a minute i couldn't get rid of this cough what's going on here obviously there's something going around well, we've always known that winter time is the time when stuff goes around. Yeah. The air is colder, uh, the air is drier, and as people, we're more susceptible for you know getting any kind of respiratory virus. Um, you know, now that we have COVID, now that we know about COVID, we're aware of it. Um, flu has been around for a long time. We've been talking about that for a long time, and RSV has actually been around for a long time too. Mm. But it's gotten a lot of attention recently because now we have vaccines to prevent it. Um, but every year, people get sick, hospitalized, and so forth from uh, RSV, and hasn't really caught much attention until recently. But it's it's one of the three big viruses for sure this year. Um, what what is it that uh, has made it so bad, sort of with the flu and RSV? What is it sort of the difference between? I got somebody with the flu, a friend of mine with the flu now, been down for a while, like it it, it knocked them out. And then what is RSV? Well, it's important to remember that that these are different viruses that people can experience in different ways. Mm. You can, you know, anybody who's had the flu can tell you some years I have the flu and it's awful. And some years I have the flu, it's not that bad. Yeah. The same thing can be true of a different person in a different year. You know, RSV is, is one of those that we've always known about because it really attacks babies. Babies are very sensitive to RSV uh, who get bronchiolitis mm. is the thing that we hear about in, around this time of year. Mm. Uh, and we don't want to see babies in the hospital. Right. No. So. No, we don't. Uh, I also want to get into this. You mentioned they're older. There are a lot of older people that were in together when my mother got the virus, uh, the vaccine yeah. uh, to prevent the virus, and then got the update and told me every detail about everything mm-hmm. that went on and mm-hmm. how to get it, and it's, it's able out here. And then we got in this sort of discussion about why some people get it, why some people don't. You're still encouraging the, even the latest when it comes to updating the uh, COVID vaccine. Why? I am. Well, we know that the previous vaccines worked to to reduce the number of people who go to the hospital and it lowered the number of people who died. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, people who've gotten the vaccine will get COVID. But all in all, across all of the studies and, and, and research that's been done, people who get the vaccine do better overall. Okay. And that's why we want people to do what they can to, to, to stay healthy. So, you know, we're still 
trying to uh, push people to do the right thing. I mean, whatever is right for you, right? But going back to COVID, when we were turning on the news and 24-7, we just kept seeing COVID, kept seeing COVID, kept yeah. seeing COVID, right? And then it disappeared from the news and everybody acts like COVID is not around. I mean, how do you still get in people's brain that this is still something serious and this is still something that's going on? You just mentioned elderly people are at risk. We can't forget people with underlying health conditions. Mm -hmm. So I guess how do we keep the conversation going? Because it's kind of like we don't talk about it no more unless Dr. Mendoza is up here. Well, I, I think we have to find a way to make it a safe topic again. Yeah. You know, before COVID, I sit around with my relatives. They have no problem telling me about going to the bathroom. Yeah. They just yeah, talk about that and it's ain't lying. <laughs> and it's safe because people feel safe about mm -hmm. that. And we've mm -hmm. got to get to the point where people feel safe again talking about COVID because it doesn't have to be a taboo topic. No. Mm -hmm. Somehow it got political. I don't know why. <clears throat> but it came, it came, you know, people, you don't talk about religion and politics. And, and then somehow health came that, to it that did. level uh, where it's kind of like you got to be on this side or that side. No, you don't. No. You have to be on the side you feel is best for you with the most information. That means you have to combat the false information. Right. So how do you do that? Well, you know, at any given moment, we could learn something that changes, you know, the ballgame. Mm -hmm. And as, as scientists, we're used to that. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do research and we read up on what's the latest. And a lot of times, the latest doesn't know everything. Mm. And so, to us, we're comfortable with that. There's a level of uncertainty that we live with as scientists and as doctors that is just normal for us. Mm. But that's not normal for a lot of people. No. So we want our patients and our communities to listen, ideally, to whoever the, is their trusted healthcare mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I trust that that person's doing what, what we all are doing, which is staying up to date on, on what we know and what we don't know. Yeah. Uh, 1039 WDKX, Health Commissioner. Dr. Michael Mendoza's big topic today. Yeah, we, we brought in the big guns. We brought in the big guns. Because we, we want the people of Rochester and your, and your national audience to mm -hmm. understand that health is extremely important and we have a choice um, in this matter. So seek out the best professionals, take their advice, consider their advice, and then do what's best for you and your family. Don't listen to the person that you wouldn't lend $5 to. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust you with $5, yeah. but I'm going to take your medical advice. Right? <laughs> so so, so go to true. the people, go to the people in the community that have studied this issue, that are still practicing with um, patients, and they see the impacts of those decisions. But more importantly, they generally care about the health and safety of this community. And Dr. Mendoza is one of those folks. So we're happy to have him on today. Get in charge and check your health. The University of Rochester, Sean Nelms is here. Doctor, good to have uh, you here as always. And in the studio, how are you feeling today, sir? Feeling good. Mm -hmm. Great, great, great. Yeah, I'm so happy to I have Dr. Was, Mike Mendoza. I, 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 I was like, you know what? I, I forgot I, who to address. Like, uh, if my name was Dr. Dre, I'd be like, yep. Uh-huh. Like, you might be honest on something. <laughs> it's like, coach, it's like five guys turn around. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're so excited and, 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 and thankful that Dr. Mendoza had time in his schedule today. I know that he usually sees patients today, but... Um, he's caught some time off for us to come speak to a larger audience, and that's mm -hmm. the audience uh, of DKX listeners. Just want to remind some folks of um, of how to get in touch with Dr. Mendoza, uh, or more importantly, the entire team from the Monroe County uh, uh, Health Department. Uh, you can call 753-5555, 753-5555 if you have questions around flu, vaccines, RSV, uh, anything that, that, that is health-related. Give them a shout, and they can contact you and connect you with um, resources like Common Ground Health we had on last week on the, on the show, Ibero and other community partners 
Also, for their website, it's www.monroecounty.gov slash health. MonroeCounty.gov slash health. But the number again is 753-5555. All right, so we, we get into this topic. We're about, as I said before, about a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving, and uh, family will be around one another. Uh, one that's a part of the discussion about COVID we get into, but now comes real family, real human beings, people dealing with addiction um, and some of the issues that have gone on, obviously, in the Rochester area. Uh, can you explain what substances... Um, uh, are out here that people may not have realized. You said one off air, and it kind of threw me for a little bit. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are out here using uh, uh, needles. But you said cocaine. Cocaine has 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 been around for a long time, and mm. it's it's beginning to rear its ugly head here in in Rochester and in our community. You know, we we see people who are using cocaine. Uh, we've known about cocaine for a long time, but we're seeing it now, and and we're hearing from our teams that people are dying from cocaine. Um, cocaine overdoses mm-hmm. has become a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cocaine being laced with fentanyl. We've talked about opioids being laced with fentanyl. Fentanyl is that, that poison, that lethal poison that can cause you to stop breathing. Mm-hmm. We're finding that in, in cocaine now, and, and that's really scary. All right. Uh, what, what, um, what can people do? I saw somebody who may be dealing with something like this. Uh, how do you treat someone that is struggling with this? How do you treat someone who's dealing with a drug addiction or may have OD'd and come back? Right. Well, I think the, the most, important we, most important thing we can do is to treat these people with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is too much judgment and shaming and, um, you know, there's no place for that. You know, we, don't, we, we need to look at addiction and people who su- suffer with addiction, you know, in the same way as we look at anybody who's suffering from any kind of medical illness. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't judge people who have cancer. Mm-hmm. Right. In fact, if anything, we, we extend our love to them. And that's what we should be doing for people who struggle with addiction. And, you know, the, the problem is that we've inherited a history where we've been shaming people who use drugs and judging their behavior and saying that they're this or that. And, you know, we've, not only do we have to undo that, but we've got to start today. We've got to start treating people with respect. Sometimes people don't have the right words to say um, to help somebody. What, what can you say? You said listening off air was really important to individuals, but sometimes it's, we don't even bring the name up at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, of, of the loved one. You can insert the name in there. But uh, how, how do we get through that end of it? Because there's, there's a lot of therapy needs to come from this too. You know, wh- what would we say to somebody who has cancer? Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. We can get you help. Mm-hmm. I'm always here if you want to talk. It's hard to go through this. I don't know what it's like, but I can only imagine how mm-hmm. hard this is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those words of, of support, you know, nobody who's, uh, you know, if somebody hasn't been through addiction, they don't know what it's like. To, to live in the shoes of somebody yeah. who is. Yeah. But you can have empathy and you can say, yeah, I care about you. Now, we were just talking about, you know, cocaine and people overdosing. Now, about the last five years when you hear about people overdosing in the high numbers in the city of Rochester and in the suburbs, right, we typically mm-hmm. we typically say, man, that's a suburban problem. That's a suburban issue. But a lot of people in Monroe County are dying from drug overdoses. And they're saying these deaths are hitting the African-American community very hard can you tell us what's happening with that well we are seeing more uh deaths happening in in older black men uh the increase that we're seeing there is you know is is really concerning and we've seen this really over the last four or five years you know this is an epidemic when when you see that happening that that much so quickly that's an epidemic could you kind of give us uh, like an age range you know older you know 50 and older oh 50 and older 50 and older which you know I think people don't tend to think of 
users, you know, being 50 and older. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, it's time to change that, that misperception. And you, think, you think about that. that those are grandparents, mm-hmm. um, fathers, yeah. mothers, yeah. grandmothers, you know, and, and you think about um, how drugs are can eradicate an entire generation. I heard one, someone say once that every time someone dies, a, a library goes with it. Yep. And so mm-hmm. if we continue to lose our, our, our elders in this community, then our history goes with that. Our, 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 our support for our community goes with that. Yeah. And so we really have to think about this as a community issue and, and not make it uh, taboo and, and have honest and real conversations about it. Also, when you think about folks with substance um, use disorder, you know, they're often running from something. Mm. You know, we, we know that the research suggests that there's often a history of depression or abuse. Uh, you know, it, it's so so it's not just treating the addiction. That's why it's an addiction. It's not treating the drug use. It's treating all the things that are leading people to feel um, like like these drugs provide a sense of calm in their life. Yeah. Relief so, from something. Yeah. So so with drug with drug um, a substance use disorder. It's just not just the drugs that we're treating. It's also the emotional and physical and, and mental health um, issues that, that may be associated with it. Let me ask you this. And I don't know if you can answer this question, but I'm pretty sure Monroe County has done a lot of research. With the number of people that are dealing with drug, drug addiction, what are like the top two things that made them turn to drugs? Well, you know, the, the origins of addiction are complicated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that, that it doesn't just start at the minute they start using a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that, that young people in our community who are exposed to trauma early in their lives, uh, in whatever form, the more trauma they experience as, as young people, as, as children, the more likely they are to turn to drugs early in their life, in their late adolescent, early adulthood. And that's what wires the brain, because our brains are still developing well mm. into our 20s. Mm. That makes them very much at risk okay. for addiction down the road. Because right. we know that not every person who uses uh, a substance becomes addicted, but right. there are certain people who are much more likely to, right. and we know that a lot of times it's those people who are uh, exposed to trauma, and we know that th- those kinds of experiences are much more common uh, in 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 you know communities of color. Because uh, we always would hear like they f- their family has a long history of drug use, whether it's you know doing smoking crack or shooting heroin or having alcoholism. You hear a lot of times where people were like, well. Their family had a history of that. Uh, is it genetic? Is it genetic? There is some a portion of a, of addiction that is genetic, but there's a lot of it which is environmental, mm. and uh, the the types of environments, the types of experiences you have growing up, the influence of poverty is real, mm. right? That's not necessarily genetic, but we know that it happens in in a generational way. So that's just as powerful, if not more powerful, than what our DNA shows. Would you say that's the same thing going on when it comes to the public health crisis of gun violence. Do you think that plays a role in this? Where do you view sort of the public health crisis of gun violence in the community? Well, I, th- I think gun violence is a really big problem, and I think it's, it's impacting communities of color because of all the other things that have been weighing on communities of color for generations. Mm. Um, you know, poverty and racism have taken an innumerable toll over generations uh, in this community and many others, and I think we can't ignore that. That's a huge part of what I think gives rise to the gun violence problem in this community. Are you trading uh, or discussing or do you and police or other you know, individuals take the stats that you guys have and then go with what the police has 
And then are, are, is there any sort of collaborative work to try to find out what's going on? Because we're getting to the root. I think in this discussion, we're, we're getting to the root of it. But there's this sort of number of matrix. We've got the trauma that happens at home and in and around the community, creating another cycle of the mistrust, the concern, people maybe uh, uh, gravitating to the wrong individuals or getting the wrong guidance. And then it just turns into this issue of I don't know what to do with myself at 40 and 50 and then might result in somebody going to treat themselves as opposed to coming to see a counselor, which for me, therapy, we know it's been, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have to go through a couple of different generations mm-hmm. to try to get us co- to continuously go to therapy. We just started going, we just started talking about it, right, right. The, uh, you know, within the last couple of years. So now becomes this sort of movement. Do you talk or try to uh, collaborate with individuals to try to help people get out of this cycle? Because it seems like that's where we're in. I think that's the only way to do it. You know, I, you know, I can't solve this from the comfort of my office on the ninth floor in Westfall. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to get out and talk to people and hear what, what people have to say and, and find a way to talk in their language, mm-hmm. not my language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to make mental health and getting help for mental illness okay. Yeah. You know, taking that stigma away because, you know, we don't, we don't tend to judge people who go to see their doctor about a cold or, or some kind of physical symptom. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be making that judgment about people who go to see a therapist. I had a question from, um, from, the, from the hotline. It's called hotline, right? Yeah. <laughs> Frontline, front frontline, frontline. It says a family member has an addiction. The family brings it up out of concern and love. They don't think they have a problem. They are offended, won't get help, and now won't speak to family. How does a family proceed? That's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. I think, first of all, going back to that loved one saying, I'm, I'm sure it was really hard for you to share that with us. Mm-hmm. It takes courage. It takes bravery to share something that is so personal mm-hmm. about your life. Um, and if there was some disagreement there, just coming back and saying, if I, didn't, if I didn't respond in a way that was helpful or loving, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the kinds of things. Just, just putting yourself out there with, mm-hmm. with your loved one. That's a sincere answer. That's a sincere answer. I think there's this sort of combatants of, you know, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. But there are, you listen, let's be honest. We have family members, we have friends mm-hmm. that are stubborn. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't see it as a problem, like mm-hmm. you just said in that text message or that, 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 that question. And it's, it's hard. How do I accept the fact I'm trying to help someone that doesn't seem to think that they have a problem? You know, we're all a little stubborn. And, <laughs> and, and part of it is, you know, we've got to look past that and say, there's a lot I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more about humility. Yeah. And, and how do we say, oh, there's, some more, there's probably more to the story that I don't know about. I'd like mm-hmm. to learn more about it. Yeah, we start with the, I, the notion that if the person knew how to handle that stress or that, that issue healthy, they wouldn't have exactly. turned to drugs in the first place. So to mm-hmm. assume to them to be at their lowest point and be able to hear that information is, is kind of, it's Pollyannish, right? It's not going to happen. It's, 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 so we have to really be thinking about where the person is in their life and how to kind of meet them where they are mm-hmm. without coming from our throne and saying, yeah. you know, come to my, my big house with everything seems to be going well. Let's have a conversation here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help someone see them in that space. It actually it could make them feel a, a, a bit worse about themselves and, and the lives that they live. So I think we have to be really um, be honest with, with our loved ones and, and, and to the extent possible, Without enabling, really think about how we continue to support them where they are, and that might mean going to some some of the darkest places, uh, you know, in their communities, and just trying to see them be, be with them, you know. And I think that that's critically important 
And I think we have an opportunity to do that and an obligation as family. Yeah, I, I think so. There's something to think about as we get ready to uh, approach the holidays. Uh, Dr. Michael Mendoza joins us now uh, when it comes to Monroe County's public health. He's the, the, the guy to talk to when it, when it gets to these issues. Do, do you guys play even a role in trying to reduce some of the gun violence going in? What role would you play if you did? Well, our role is is many. One is I think we got to listen to other partners in our community. There are mm-hmm. a lot of groups in our community that have been thinking about this, working on this for a long, long time. Yeah, you know, I think it's short sighted for me to think that I can just solve this on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there's got to be you know working together. Um, but we have the ability to get money. We have mm-hmm. the ability to apply for grants. As a health department, we have funding from the state that no other you know, group in this county will have other than a health department. Yeah. So we want to use those resources in a way that makes sense for a community. And the only way we do that is by listening to what the community needs. Wow. Uh, I, I want to go back, Sean, and, and get some of the resources available for people who are dealing with addiction, families dealing with it. Uh, somebody texted in 678-1039 what it to do, how, to, how they can seek help. Yeah, so for the Monroe County Department of Public Health Addiction Services, it's a 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week hotline. It's 585-753-5300, 585-753-5300, 24-7 hotline, no judgment asked. You call, and they will connect you with community resources and partners and, and health, uh, many of the folks that are involved in our health care system. So please, 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 if you have someone who is seeking help and are ready to make that change in their life, consider calling 753 753- 5,300, or talk to your physician as well, your primary. Or if yourself. Or yourself, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Uh, 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 wanting to see exactly where to go. I think there's a lot of places that people not sure where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If you need that number again, text us, 678-1039. We'll text you the number back. Uh, we have it here for you, MonroeCounty.gov slash health. Also a resource for those of you who are looking for health services. Uh, it's it. That was a quick 30 minutes, and we got a <laughs> lot done in 30 minutes. A very, very tough conversations going forward, but I appreciate not only the time, but the honesty of what you're saying to the Rochester community when it comes to COVID, consider getting the updated vaccine. Yep. Get the vaccine as best you can. Uh, it's available in almost all the pharmacies now in our community. You just got to go on their website or, or call your uh, regular primary care doctor. Absolutely. Uh, nine. How, how many times a year should I see my doctor? At least once? Everybody's twice? different, but you know, young, healthy for person 40, like yourself. For a 40 Six, about to be 47 <laughs> type of guy, you know, or somebody maybe can, slightly younger. I can tell how well you eat and how much you exercise just by looking at you. All right, write that down. <laughs> at least once a year. I want to mess it up with my doctor. Who's <laughs> also a part of U of R, which is great. That's it, right. It, it, that's right. Good. Uh, please please uh, take, take these conversations seriously. And if you need to see your doctor for whatever reason, mm-hmm. just call them. Call whoever they are. Find out what's going on. Something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. Please don't hesitate. University of Rochester's got plenty of different right. resources. That's right. We are 103.9 WDKX Podcast Network. It's time for the second half of Check Your Health with Dr. Sean Nelms taking over. Dr. Mendoza, thank you for um, a, a very... Uh, let me start over. Dr. Mendoza, thank you for a very informative conversation uh, this morning. Uh, I just want to follow up on a couple questions that came through the front line. Uh, we talked a lot about the COVID vaccine. Can you get the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine in the same season? Yep. It turns out that you can get the COVID vaccine and the flu vaccine, not only in the same season, but on the same day. <laughs> That's pretty good. So convenient. it, uh, in some ways it's more convenient because, uh, you know, often people will experience a little bit of a reaction from the mm-hmm. one, one or the other shot. And 
from my standpoint, just get it all out of the way, do it all at once. But, but why don't we get the flu vaccine yearly? I mean, we got, got it last year. Why do I have to keep getting it? Well, these viruses are, are smart. You know, the way they work is to change every year so that they can get around the defenses that we developed the previous year. And so every year we're dealing essentially with a different type of flu. Uh, And so the vaccines are designed every year to attack, to prevent the flu that's likely to come around that year. Dr. Mendoza, in the second half of the show, we talked about the overdose fatalities um, within the community. And there was a question around the disproportionate number of African-American and black male and females who make up the fatality rate. I believe that percentage was 17% of the population are black or African-American, but 30% of the uh, fatalities are black and African-American. How can you have 17% of the people make up 30% of the deaths? Well, unfortunately, this is true around a lot of outcomes in health. We see disparities where communities that are um, poor or disadvantaged or, or unable to access resources for a lot of reasons, they suffer, you know, more than others who do. And I think it speaks to the importance of work that we've got to do in this community to bring in all corners of our community. We know that communities of color have been su- suffering from poverty and, and racism for, for many generations. Mm-hmm. And that has got to change because I think that's the, that's the understory that explains why we see this disproportionate number of people who are black and brown dying from overdoses. And I would say we're lucky in, in Rochester where we have several healthcare systems. We have um, tons of community resources. Is there any excuse for someone who doesn't have health insurance to not be treated? Well, you know, I'd like to think that there's not, but we know that there are many people who don't have health insurance that don't feel safe and don't feel comfortable. Mm. You know, just because we have the resources in the community doesn't necessarily mean that people are just going to go and get them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to do our, our part to, to get out and uh, help people understand, A, that it's important, B, that it's available to you, and We'll treat you with, with dignity and respect right. because I, I think that's, an, uh, that's a space where I think healthcare hasn't always succeeded. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got, we've got to do more than just say that it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to make it, um, make it friendly, make it safe, make it uh, something desirable for people to want to reach out for. All right. And so if someone is, has a relative or a friend who does not have insure, insurance or they're underinsured and, and they are seeking medical help, where should they go to get that information? I would say at least... You're welcome to call 753-5555 mm-hmm. uh, here at the health department, and we'll connect you with resources. There are a lot of uh, teams around the community that are going to help you to find what insurance works for you. There's the, the state marketplace where we can help mm-hmm. you navigate. There's a lot of a, a lot that can be done, but, mm-hmm. but we can't help unless we know that somebody needs it. So just a, re- a reminder to the community, the general number for the Monroe County Health Department, 753-5555. And for our drug addiction hotline at 753-5300. All right. Well, thank you all for listening again on this Thursday. We look forward to hearing uh, and listening with you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this podcast on the WDKX Podcast Network. Provided by Vision Automotive.